Hey, thanks so much for joining us on the Rise Church podcast. We're a church in Southeast Idaho on mission to help people take steps in relationship with Jesus. For more information, check us out at risechurchid.org. All right, enjoy the message. Well, continuing through Holy Week as we're just processing through this Gospel of Mark step by step, we have been... um, really just amazed at how Mark has been bringing us so quickly, immediately this happens, immediately this happens, immediately this happens, and now finally we're at Holy Week and it's, we're at a pause. Mark wants us to press in to Holy Week as Jesus is heading towards the cross. And today, what I believe that Jesus is really getting at in our section of scripture is what I'm calling the reflexive lifestyle the reflexive lifestyle. One of the ways that God has created and designed the human body is that we would, uh, we would function uh, in something called reflexes. And so basically the way it works is that there's some sort of stimuli that takes place and there's an automatic response in our bodies that we would call a reflex. And so, you know, when you go to the doctor, they'll do this reflex thing with you, right? Where you come and they use something like this and they'll like pound your knee Right, so does anybody want to come up here and give this a try? I think we could figure this out. <laughs> Boom! No, I, I think this is a little bit too heavy of, of a hammer for, for that type of job at least. But that's the way that God has created us. We have these reflexes. We also understand that reflexes are something can be, that, that can be trained. And so something like a response would be categorized in the reflex category. And you think about like, how do we train such things? I think about with, with our kids. Every single time I give them something, we would say, thank you. I'm not thanking them that I'm giving them something, but I'm training them as a response, as a reflex to automatically say, thank you when something is given to you. You say uh, a thank you, right? And um, I, I do this thing also with our kids. I don't think it's been purposeful in that and training their reflexes, but uh, they just know that when daddy goes, when I make that snarl, they know that it's about to go down. They know that it is tickle time and I am coming in for the kill. I'm going to go get him. This animal is alive, right? And we will just go after it. And, and so it's an automatic. They hear that from anywhere in the house. They're like, oh, yes. Okay, here we go. Here we go. Dad, where is he? Where is he? He's coming around the corner, right? They know that it is coming. And so this, there's this type of response and reflex that happens within them. And at the heart of this passage, I think what Jesus is doing with the disciples is he is training them into a new reflex. He's saying, this is something that should automatically come out of you when you live with God, when you are in right relationship with God. Here is a response that I want to begin training training you in. It doesn't happen automatically right off the bat, but he's leading them into this place of when this happens, here's what you ought to do. And again, I call this the reflexive lifestyle of specifically giving all. And here's, here's the concept behind it. It's that we recognize that God has given everything that we have to us. Yes, amen, is there any, right? Everything that we have is a blessing from God. And so our response to that, our reflex to that should be to also give all that we have to him. 
This is the Christian walk, and we do this again and again and again. This is a reflexive lifestyle with everything in our life and in every area in our life. And so this is the gist of where we're going this morning. This is the heart of what I believe Jesus is teaching within this scripture. And so let's go ahead and jump into our specific text here in Mark chapter 12, verses 41 through 44. It says, and he, Jesus, sat down opposite the treasury, and he watched the people putting money into the offering box. Many rich people put in large sums, and a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which makes a penny. And he called his disciples and said, truly, I say to you, this poor widow has just put in more than those who are contributing to the offering boxes. She's put in the most, for they all contributed out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had. That's a a really key phrase here. She had put in everything that she had. She had put it all in. Another way to say this is her whole life, everything everything that was her, she put it into this, this offering. All she had to live on. So Father God, as we jump into this word, we just ask and we, we acknowledge, we acknowledge your presence here. God, we believe that you are here in our midst. We believe, Holy Spirit, that you are our teacher, that you are our helper. And so would you lead us this morning? Would you cause us to just pay attention at those right moments? Would you cause these words not just to be words that are spoken, God, but would they be transformative into our lives? Would they go through our ears into our hearts and bring transformation into our lives? Would you teach us this morning how to live this reflexive lifestyle in response to you? In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Now, anytime we are reading through the scriptures, it's important to look at the context, right? So what's coming immediately before these scriptures? And this is going to bring some clarity to understanding these specific scriptures. And so I want to read just a couple scriptures before this. In verse 38, it says, and in his teachings, he said, Jesus was speaking this. Remember, he had just spoken about the greatest commandment, right? Love God, love people. And this is all going to tie together. It says, and in his teaching, Jesus said, beware of the scribes, who like to walk around in long robes and like greetings in the marketplace. And they have the best seats in the synagogues and the places of honor at the feasts. They devour widows' houses for pretense and make long prayers. They they will receive the greater condemnation. And so as we put this whole story together, we get some points that I just want to bring out to you. The first is this, that the religious leaders have no problem taking from the vulnerable. It says that they're devouring widows' houses. They're making a profit off of those who are less, less fortunate. And it was just a reminder to me, even, just that, that question in terms of bringing this into practicality for our lives, right? So... Are we simply trying to turn a profit off of people, right? As, as we are, as we're living, I was thinking about this because I don't work in necessarily a business where that could necessarily happen all the time, um, but I had to sell my truck recently, 
and there were a number of things wrong with my truck. And I could have easily covered over a number of those things, and I could have very easily sold it for a higher price than I sold it for, but I was very open with uh, the people who were purchasing my truck. I, I said, hey, here's exactly what's wrong, and here's all of the things that I think might go wrong, could go wrong. Here's everything that I think of. Do you have any other questions? Let's walk around the vehicle so you get a hands-on, so you truly understand what you're, what you're getting. Again, I could have turned a profit super easy, but I'm not going to do that to somebody, somebody else, right? I'm not going to just make a profit off of somebody. I want to be an honest, an honest person. And so as you think about this in your own life, how can you live in an honest lifestyle? How can we make sure that we're not just turn, trying to turn a profit off of people like many of these religious leaders were doing. And so the religious leaders had no problem taking from the vulnerable. We also recognize that this widow was a compelling example of loving God practically. As we think about God, uh, or we think about uh, Jesus here, just a few verses before this, talking about the, the, greatest, the greatest law is love God, love, love people. You want to know what it looks like to love God? Right there. She's living in this reflexive lifestyle. She has this recognition that God's blessed me and I'm going to give it all because this is God. This is what my life is going to look like. And so right there, this is a great example. What does it look like to put God first? Right there. I'm going to give him everything that I've, I've got. We also see that the widow acted in a way that was not seen by, by others, but it was honored by God. And so she, she, gave, she gave it all. Here's what this tells me, that your sacrifice doesn't need to look significant in other people's eyes. The sacrifice that you make, it, it, it doesn't matter what other people are seeing when you are making that, that sacrifice. It needs to be authentic. It needs to be authentic to you. We'll get into that a little bit more practically here in a bit, but just consider that in, in your sacrifice, in your life. Ask yourself, what am I sacrificing? What are the things I'm normally sacrificing? How, how do I live in a sacrificial way? Consider that. And is it authentic in God's eyes? I think sometimes we just get down on ourselves. Uh, we can even look down on other people because of whatever their sacrifice looks like. We're not here to compare people's sacrifices. I, I missed the scripture where it said that. Probably because it's not in there. Probably because it's not in there. And so I, I want to just continue to break these scriptures down a little bit further. That's kind of a, an overarching understanding. But I want to look at this sacrifice that this, this lady makes and what we can learn about it. Every time we're in the scriptures, we want to ask those questions, right? What is this teaching me about God? What is this teaching me about people? What is this teaching me about the way that God interacts with people? And what is this teaching me about the way that people should interact with people, right? These are our four big things that we ought to understand whenever we're jumping into the Bible. And so here's, here's one of the huge things that we see within the scriptures, that Jesus knows what we give. Jesus knows what we give. It says in verse 41, it says that he sat down opposite the treasury and he watched the people putting the money into the offering box and many rich people put in large sums. A poor widow came and put in two small copper coins which make 
a, a penny. And so he's using every opportunity. I love this. Think about disciple, <clears throat> excuse me, discipleship in, in your life, right? God called each of us to make disciples. Yes? Amen? He says, go therefore and make disciples. That, that is for, for all of us. And so as we think about how are we discipling, I don't know, our, our kids, our, our nephew, our grandkids, how are we discipling um, the, the people that we're walking with? How are we discipling family members? How are we discipling spouses, right? How are, how are we discipling the people in our lives? One of the great things about discipleship is that it can happen everywhere all the time. No matter what the circumstance is, everything going around us is an opportunity to reflect upon the way that God sees this circumstance. And so maybe just start asking yourself those questions. How does God see what's taking place in my world around me? You can do that no matter what your life looks like. And then you just process that with the people who are in your life, right? What, is, what does God think about this? And so Jesus uses this example with his disciples and he's sitting in this place. Remember, he was in the, uh, the court of the Gentiles. This is big court. I think it was the size of like three football fields. Whole bunch of people could fit in there. That's where he flipped the tables. Now he's moving into a different section of this worship center into the court of, of the women. And on one side of this court, there were 13 like offering baskets, basically. And as they would come in, these offering baskets were actually shaped kind of like a, 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 a trumpet, if you will. And so as people were, were giving and people were giving money, here's what it would sound like as, as they were coming in. They're, they're making their offering. And it says of, of uh, the way that Jesus knows what everyone gives, right? Uh, we see the rich people coming in and it says that they gave large sums of money. And so just put yourself in this situation. They want every, everyone to watch. And so they're like, hey guys. Oh. You, you thought I was done, didn't you? You see how loud that is? It draws everyone's attention. Look how much, look how much that I'm, I'm, I'm giving. And so it says that Jesus was observing and watched with deep interest and he's processing this with his, with his disciples. In Matthew 6, 2, Jesus says, don't give with the sounding of trumpets to be seen by others, right? Causing everyone's attention to come to come there. And then as there were those people who gave a lot, there were those who were not rich, but they still came, out, came to the temple to give out of their obedience, out of their devotion to God. And the widow was the lowest and the poorest of this society. And her gift would certainly be the smallest. And what she gave was two, two lepta. And a lepton was the smallest Jewish coin worth 164th of a Roman denarius. And so a Roman denarius was one day's worth of, of pay. And so you think about just like breaking that down. Okay, what, is this, what would this mean for us today? Um, the average salary for, I think, someone in our area whether this number is completely accurate or not, it was somewhere around forty-nine thousand dollars, nine hundred forty-nine 
$8,968 per year, which basically broke down into $24 an hour, a daily wage of $192 a day. And so uh, one sixty-fourth of this would be a $3 offering. So basically, instead of all of the coming in when people are, are, are watching who's giving, she just comes in and it's just a real quick, that's it, a resounding pin drop. And Jesus points, points this out. Look, look at what she gave. Look at what she gave. We also got to recognize that there was a group of people who weren't even mentioned in this text at all. Those are the people who, who did not give. They didn't see importance of this. They didn't see importance in, in contributing. There were a number of different offerings, um, and there were times when you would come and tithe, and there were times where you would come and offer. A tithe was like that first 10% in, realist, in reality, if you broke that down into the ways that they actually gave, it would be somewhere around 23%. But that, that tithe, as they would give, there were also portions where they would give for specific things. And so these type of offerings that were taking place in this room were for like keeping the wood for the sacrifices burning, right? And so it's, it's, not, a, it's not a hot thing. It's not a pretty thing. It's not a cute thing to give money towards, I'm going to buy some wood for the offering to keep burning on, right? But it still needs to happen. Offerings still need to take place, right? So there were some people who didn't give at all, but Jesus knows what we're, we're giving. Jesus also knows why we're giving. It says in verses 43 through 44, he called his disciples to him and said to him, truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all of those contributing to the offering box. Can you just think about that statement for a moment? Goodness, everything is just so flipped with Jesus, right? Everything's just flipped up so upside down. Like, wait, how does that make sense? She clearly did not, but Jesus is saying, yeah, there's something you're not seeing. There's something about giving that you are not seeing. It says, for they all contributed out of their abundance, but she gave out of her poverty and has put everything she had. So this passage shows not just what people gave, but why they gave. And there are three main reasons why people give. The first is this. Some people give with a biblical conviction. Again, there's this understanding of tithing, of offering. And then within the scriptures, there's on top of that, there's also the giving of alms. We see this um, after the day of, of, of Pentecost with Peter, right? As, as that person at the gate named Beautiful was asking uh, for, for alms. They, they needed help. And so they were asking for this. This was another type of, of, of giving. So this biblical paradigm is understanding tithing, offering, and giving alms. And there's this understanding that what I have isn't, isn't mine. It's not mine to just hold on to. It's in my hands because God has placed something in my hands. We're blessed because God has blessed me. He is our provider time and time again. This is who the scriptures say that our God is. He is our, he's our provider. So we come with this motivation and this understanding within a biblical conviction that this belongs to God. We see that the, the widow's motivation here was compelling to Jesus because this was true worship. She was literally just laying down what she, what she had. 
And so as we look closer at that, we see, number one, that she gave all that she had. And we see, secondly, that she wasn't ashamed of it. She wasn't ashamed to give what she had, even if it was just a little bit. It seems like this isn't going to, this won't even pay for the, uh, one piece of wood. But it's still significant. Because it's worship. She didn't know that Jesus was watching, but God is always watching. And he's moved by sacrificial worship. This woman took up the stance of saying that my worship is real. My seasons may get dark and gloomy and hot or fiery, but my God is consistent, and so my giving will be consistent. I know that sacrifice, or I know that giving can feel like sacrifice. Like, there are moments when we choose to give where we're like, oh my gosh, I cannot believe that I'm, I'm letting this go. Hand, are you really gonna let this go? As, as you let it go. But consider this. This is the very essence of sacrifice. Can we just think about sacrifice for a moment? Let's, let's think about the example of who we have in, in Jesus. Jesus created knowing that his people would break his heart. That's, that's sacrificial. Jesus left heaven to come to the lesser place here on earth. That's sacrifice. Jesus not only left heaven, but he also put on this lesser flesh. That's sacrificial. Jesus chose to not take the easier route when Satan was offering him the easy way out. That's sacrificial. Jesus endured the cross, the crucifixion, that is a sacrifice. And somehow we get it into our heads about how uncomfortable it is for us to let a few things go. Listen, if it's comfortable, it's probably not sacrificial. If it's super easy to let go of, you're probably not actually sacrificing much. I also know that when I give, I believe that I'm not storing up earthly belongings here, but I'm storing up treasures in heaven. This is a promise of scripture. One of the things that we can remind ourselves of when we, when we give. I know that when I give, I'm sowing into the kingdom of God. Something that is eternal. Something that is growing right here. Something that is truly making a, a difference. Something that is empowered not by just a little bunny that beats, right? The, the little yeah, energizer buzzy, bunny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's energized by God himself. Like that's a way bigger bunny, Right? He, he will keep, he will continue to, to, to go. I know that when I give, I'm sowing into the kingdom of God, and thus I will reap a kingdom harvest. When I sow into the kingdom, there is promise that there will be reaping from the kingdom of God as well. And it's also a promise that we will be supplied with more as we, as we sow. The Bible says, give and it will be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. What is the measure that you use in your giving? In your sacrifice? What's the measure that you are, are using? So some people will give with a biblical conviction. And my encouragement would be, let's be those people. 
Let's be those people who give with biblical conviction. We'll get a little bit more into the practical here in, in a few moments. But we also see that some people give with a religious motivation where we give because we have to instead of we give because we get to. Remember that it's easy to reduce things down into religious obligation. People are really, really good at that. We are really, really good at that. But in our giving, we want to ensure that we just remember, I'm not just dropping money. I'm not just writing a check. I'm not just automatically depositing what, whatever. I'm not just giving of my life sacrificially. I am worshiping God. Amen. Right. There's, there's a, a reframing that we must do in, inside of our head when it comes to our giving. And our, when I say giving, oftentimes it only, we, we think of only financially. But what I'm talking about is the output of our life. What are we giving towards the world around us in, in our service? We'll get into the practicals here in just a moment. But some people give with a religious motivation. And my encouragement to us is let's make sure we don't get to that place. And if we do, let's, let's repent and get back to the place of this is worship. Why? Because everything in my life ought to be worship. Amen. Everything ought to be worship unto the Lord. Some people give with religious motivation. Some people give with personal agenda. Again, in verse 41, it specifically says that Jesus was observing how these people were, were giving, not just what they gave. So some people were giving just to be, to be seen. Again, in Matthew two, uh, 6, 6, 1 and 2, it says, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. We don't want to give just for the benefit of being seen to look at how much I, I give. Again, that loses focus on the heart of what giving and what output really is, which is worship. So let's get to some uh, principles of being a, a giver, some theological understandings of how to shape us in our giving. If this is something that is uh, touching your fancy here this morning, this is a great book. Uh, this is called The Treasure Principle by Randy Alcorn. Um, it is kind of like a little devotional that works through and has honestly has changed my life in perspective in um, perspective of, of giving. So that's The Treasure Principle. Super helpful. But here are some principles. Number one, why is this important? Why are we talking about this in church? Aren't you supposed to not talk about money and stuff in church? The truth of the matter is that 11 out of the 39 parables that Jesus shared were about finances. And so this isn't just about finances. This is about your discipleship. This is about us growing in righteousness before the Lord. This is a big issue to us because it's a big issue to Jesus. First principle to really help us in this is going to be this. Everything belongs to God. I've hit this three times already this morning. I want to make sure we get this very, very clearly. Everything belongs to the Lord. Deuteronomy 10.14 says, Behold, to the Lord your God belong heaven and the highest heaven and the earth and all that is in it. Does that count all the stuff that we have? Yes, everything that we have is in the world here right in front of us. And so everything belongs to the Lord. This brings so much freedom because I don't have to say, this is mine, this is mine. No longer is this mine, it's God's. 
It's God's. And if it's God's, then we ought to look to God to show us what to do with that. How do you want me to steward this? Which is our, our next point. We are stewards of all that we have. Ownership says that I have exclusive rights to control everything on my property. Stewardship says this belongs to someone else. And this person has a will and desire and direction for these things better than I would know what to do with these things because he's God. He knows. He knows. And so we are stewards of all that we have. Thirdly, our stewardship reveals our, our heart. Think about some of the, the ways that the Bible will talk about stewardship. In Matthew six nineteen through 21, it says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves cannot break in or steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. Where's your treasure? Where's your treasure at? Consider that in, in all practicality within your life. And if you're someone who kind of lives life in segments where you have, you know, your, your church on Sunday, you've got work on Monday and you, you, whatever, whatever, go into each segment of your life and just say, where's my treasure in, in this? And assure that it's in line with God's kingdom. Why? Why is this so important? Matthew 6, 24 says, no one can serve two masters. For either he will hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. It's the truth of scripture. Number four, our stewardship de determines our investability, right? God's looking for that good soil to plant in. He wants to. How are we stewarding what God has given us? Are we just holding on to everything? We shouldn't expect that we're going to get a whole bunch more. Are we stewarding it well? Are we just being free with what God is giving me? Uh, if, if I gave my son some money and I said, hey, I want you to, to invest this in people and he chooses not to, I, I'm not going to be inclined to give him much more, right? And so this is what God does with us. We've all been entrusted with things in our lives, are we holding it with closed hands or are we holding it with open hands? God, do what you want with it. And then finally, our giving is biblically based. Our tithes, our offerings, our, our alms. And so let's get to as practical as, as we can. I know that food is smelling really good about this time. My tummy is like grumbling. I feel like, uh, like Winnie the Pooh here, like with the honey, just like my, my, my tummy is, my tumbling is rumbling. What does this include in terms of what are we, what are we giving? What does this include? What do we, what do we have? Romans 12.1 says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Your bodies, everything that comes forth from your bodies. I'm putting my whole life there on the altar. This is what it means to be a follower of Jesus means we're putting our whole self on the altar there and just saying, have it all, all of it. So that means no more segmented lifestyle. That means all of it is on, on the table. 
That means not just my Sunday self, but my Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then back to Sunday, and then the whole next year too. It's all, all there. What, what are all of, all of the things, all the output of our lives comprised of? The three things. If you have heard this, if you've been around church for a while, you've probably heard this. If you haven't, this is really helpful, so I wanted to include it. Um, these three things are time, talent, and treasure. This is, these are the three things that you have. You have your time, you have your talent, you have your treasure. How are we stewarding those three things? So one of the things that I've actually recognized uh, this, this year is how precious my time is. I think about how much time I have with my kids. There's a limited number on that. How much influence I have to pour out on the people at work. How much time I, I've got to influence the people in the grocery line. Everything, every aspect of life, there's, there's time. So how are we stewarding the time that we have? Are we wasting a bunch of it? Boy, that, that can be super convicting. Uh, maybe this would be a great point to include. Like One of the great things that has helped me in the stewardship of my time has been prayer and fasting. Setting stuff aside so that I can seek God and see the value in God and then recognizing, oh, these things aren't worth nearly as much. And so maybe I can live without these and I can live more devoted to God in these areas. We've got a fast coming up at the beginning of the year. We do this across the globe, uh, 21 days of prayer and fasting that can look different for different people, but it's a powerful time. We're going to do this as a church. Uh, we're doing it across the Foursquare denomination, um, and uh, we're all invited into that. Uh, we'll have like daily scriptures. There's even things for, for kids. My wife just ordered like a little booklet that they can uh, color in the, the different scriptures for each day and process through. But let's walk our families through this. Let's pray and fast together as we just consider our, our time. How do you steward your, your time? And then we have our, our talent. These are the things that God has gifted us with. Well, God's blessed us with so much that I, I don't even know all of the talents across, across this room, but how are you utilizing your talents to glorify God, to worship? What type, when you think of your talents, are you living sacrificially with your talents? could be a challenging question. Are you living sacrificially with your talents? And then finally, with your, your treasure. I left that one just for, for last, last, just because that's the one that we all think of right off, right off the bat. And when we talk about offering, when we talk about giving, we're talking about that, that, the money aspect of it. But maybe this is the time to just do a checkup. Where, where am I? Am I living sacrificially with my giving? Am I giving to God? Am I giving to the kingdom? Some real places of investigation for us. Know this, that if there's any feeling of condemnation that's coming across at this point, that's not from God. I'm not trying to guilt anybody into, into giving, but I genuinely believe that this is, this is the word of God. This is, this is what he's, he's teaching us about. It's... Uh, about how to worship him in totality with our lives. And this is a major aspect of it. This can be a major stronghold for people. And this can be a major place of freedom for people too when we make that, make that step. So one of the things that I've, I've done um, is to make some I will serve 
sheets. I've put them all across the floor, under your feet. I didn't want to have to force them um, un- under your bottoms so that you would have to grab them and move them in order to, to sit down, but I did want them easily accessible. Perhaps this message is moving in such a way um, or the Holy Spirit is moving in such a way, rather, where it's bringing conviction, not condemnation, but just encouragement to you to say, I, I, want, I want to give a little bit more. And here are some practical ways of, of giving. We are a growing church. Just so you know that, like, we continue to build, um, and we have so many different places that we could use your time, treasure, and talents. And so just to make this practical, where can I get my hands in, uh, hands on, on the gear a little bit? Well, number one, uh, we could use people back there in that area, in the sound booth area, um, helping run the camera for live stream, running the lyrics for people. Um, I am notorious for forgetting the words in the songs. And so I am grateful that we have the words up here. Most of the worship people can tell you, like, I miss multiple words every single song. And I'm like off pitch, off tune. Like, it's it's a real thing. And so these words really, really help me up here. And it helps facilitate us to be able to to sing together, to worship together. Um, uh, We also are looking for more people to help back there in the sound booth. Uh, Musicians are preferred, so you have that sound of of music. You know what you're looking for. Other musicians, we're looking for bass players, keyboard players, string players, guitar players. Um, We have a really unique issue going on within the kids' ministry right now. We've got a lot of kids, y'all. We've got a lot of kids. Like, they... They're probably outnumbering us, it feels like, most, most days. Right? There are so many kids, and what we are in need of doing is to actually be adding an extra class. And so currently, we don't exactly have enough teachers to have uh, all of the classes right now filled. But we're finding need to add an extra class. And so if you'd be willing to serve even just once a month helping in one of the classrooms, it would be huge. It would be huge. Um, also looking on continuing to bump up our, our cleaning crew. Um, Karma and Paul Phillips have been uh, serving and helping to clean the facility um, uh, and we're looking to, to break that up more, to build this team, to help spread the, uh, the serving in, in that way. Um, so a cleaning crew. Um, also, maybe you have it in your heart to do a deep clean, because the facility would, would do great with a deep clean. Um, and if that's something you'd be interested, interested in doing, uh, we could definitely make that happen. Maybe you're a social media person. Maybe you're really good at making those posts, taking pictures, um, posting pictures, all of, all of that stuff. We would love for your hand in, in doing that. Currently, um, that's pretty much all me. I'm, I'm doing my best, and some weeks I do better than others. Um, but we could really use just some more hands on, on deck there. We could use uh, help in our hospitality ministry, setting up coffee for people. Um, we could use help in our 311 clothing ministry. Did an awesome job providing, what, over 500 jackets uh, for, for people here in our area. That's powerful. But they need help sorting every Wednesday from 4.30 to 6.30. So if you're interested in, in that, they uh, need help 
with people on giveaways. That's the first Thursday of the month from five to seven. Um, uh, the third Sunday of the month from three to five. And so there's a couple different places where you can, you can give there. We're also looking, uh, we've got some old equipment that we need help selling online if you're an eBay person. Um, getting, getting, that, getting that out, right? So there are so many different ways. The question that I'm asking you is not putting pressure on you, but it simply invites you into the process of asking God, am Am I living sacrificially? Am I giving the way that you are calling me to give? Our giving is a reflexive response to the grace of God in our lives. Think about that. God's grace, how much grace has he given me? Because that's how much I want to be giving back to him as a reflex. One of the... uh, one of the quotes I want to close with, and worship team, if you guys could, could come on up and we'll begin to move towards a close. One of the quotes that I loved in here was, gaze upon Christ long enough, you'll become a giver. Why? Because Christ is a giver. Give long enough and you'll become more like Christ. So gaze upon Christ long enough and you'll become a giver. Give long enough and you'll become more like Christ. Let's live that reflexive lifestyle to give all. Would you guys stand with me as we begin to come towards a close? Father God, we thank you that you are our provider. And so our, our heart in talking about this is not that we would all provide. You, you've got that covered. We trust you with that. You're our provider. But at the same time, Lord, you're teaching us about how to live sacrificially about how to, how to look more and more like Jesus. Your word says that we're being conformed into the image to look more and more like your son. And we saw so clearly that the very essence of Christ is sacrifice. And so you've called us to live in a sacrificial way. What does that need to look like, God? For each of us, that's gonna look different. And so Holy Spirit, we just welcome you to show us the precise way that we should live sacrificially. Show us, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Hey, thanks again for joining us on this Rise Church podcast. If this was a blessing to you, there's a number of things that could do to help us continuing to minister to the world around us and getting that good news about Jesus Christ out. Could you like this podcast? Could you share this podcast? Could you quote this podcast? All of those would be a great blessing. If you would like to give financially to Rise Church to help us continue on this mission, please go to risechurch.com. ID.org. Be blessed, my friend.